0: Uh, Good morning. 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 We're starting a new book today. We'll be uh, reading Acts 1 through Acts 5, and I'm reading from the ESV. In the first book of Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen.
1: Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. Lord, we confess we do not have truth in ourselves. Lord, we need your truth to be revealed and thank you that you have given us your word. That your word has been brought to us as holy men wrote by the inspiration of the Spirit. We hold it as a sure word one that is sufficient for all things. And Lord, guide us in your truth. Today we pray in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Last week we finished the book of Luke, and today we begin the book of Acts. To remember on the time of the writing of the scriptures, they did not carry books around like this. When they said in my first book, we're talking scrolls. And what would be carried around is the scroll of Luke and then began the scroll of Acts. Consider two savings plans. You add $100 to your savings every day for a month. Or option B, you put a penny in your savings on the first day and every day you double it. And you continue that for the month. Which plan do you want, A or B? Put $100 in every day. That sounds like a lot. Putting a penny in and doubling it every day doesn't seem like much. But at the end of a month, plan A would have, on average, $3,000. Plan B, $10,737,418. Which plan would you like? Not much of a, a, a decision on our part. And in God's infinite wisdom, his plan of discipleship is to be plan B. The plan of discipleship is for all of us to go and make disciples. Not to just have one place creating disciples. Not to have just several evangelists who roam the face of the earth. And in God's infinite plan, he would send out the twelve who would then, by his grace, be used to call millions to himself. This is the book of Acts. We see the beginning of the call of, of Christ to send out the apostles. We see this transition from the book of Luke to the book of Acts. And while we have walked through the book of Luke and here we come to Acts, we need to see this as one thought. Not even though it is two books and Luke wrote it separately, but to see why Luke wrote Luke and then he wrote Acts. A year and a half, two years ago, we were praying about where we should be going as a church and what we were studying our heart was to look at the book of Acts. But a lot of times, if you just jump to the book of Acts, you can begin to form all these uh, false uh, structures around the church to say, this is what we need to do. This is what we need to be. We need to be like the church in Acts, but yet you lose the fuel and the fire that really ignited the church, which are the foundations that are seen in the book of Luke. Again today, as we look at the book of Acts, it's a bit of an overview in a couple things. Because I just want to set afresh in our minds. The author of the book of Acts is Luke. Luke is only mentioned three times in the New Testament outside the, the list of the apostles. He is a doctor, as Colossians says, Colossians 4.14. Luke, the beloved physician. He was also a careful researcher. If you look at the beginning of Luke, Luke writes, It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write to you an orderly account, O great, O most excellent Theophilus. There was in his mind a lot of order. Sometimes he would point out some of the medical things throughout the book of Luke. That would differ from the other gospel writers. But Paul in 2 Timothy 4 calls him his friend. He says in 2 Timothy 4.11. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you. For he is useful for me in ministry. In the times of ministry. Luke will be recording in the book of Acts, we. There's uh, many times that we'll see the we sections and Paul will be with him, sometimes Luke, other um, apostles, but he was an eyewitness. Again, in Luke 1, he records all that he saw. He says, from the beginning, we were eyewitnesses and ministers. He was not passing on something that was passed on to him. He was an eyewitness of Christ. And he was an eyewitness of many of the accounts that we will see here. He was a co-laborer for the gospel. He is writing to Theophilus. Theophilus' name can be translated two different ways. Lover of God or one who is loved by God. He is a Roman official, as we see in the title, O Most Excellent Theophilus. This is a title that Paul uses of Festus in Acts 26, verse 25. He says, I am not out of my mind, Most Excellent Festus, but I am speaking true and rational words. He recognizes that Theophilus is probably an unbeliever, a Roman official, and one who is like each of us in need of God's grace. Some have said that the book of Luke and Acts put together make a great um, apologetic, showing all that Christ said and did and how the response to that would happen as Christ sent out the apostles. The book of Acts is written around 60 to 62 A.D., We don't know exactly when, but we can say that it didn't happen any after 62 AD because there's things in the book that are not mentioned. For instance, James's martyrdom in AD 62. You may say, well, that's not a big deal. Actually, we'll see in the book of Acts, James is kind of the first leader of the church at Jerusalem. Nero's persecution of the church in A.D. 64 and then the fall of Jerusalem in A.D. 70 were not mentioned at all. But yet, Paul is in prison as the book of Acts comes to a very abrupt end. Paul is awaiting trial before Caesar. That's why there's... a collective of churches called Acts twenty nine. There is no Acts twenty nine, but it's that idea that the church continues, that the book of Acts is the the trajectory that the church is to be sent on. And Acts twenty nine it continues through today. As we move from the book of Luke, Luke is a gospel he is writing, and he's writing a lot of historical and narrative, and he will continue that into the book of Acts. And we must be careful to remember that the book of Acts is narrative. We have to be careful on the doctrines that we, find, that we want to build upon in the book of Acts. But also we must be careful just like in reading the Old Testament, just like as we've come through the book of Luke, not to just gain a whole bunch of information. Okay, Jesus did this, then he did this, and then this happened, and then this happened, and this happened. Should we know information? Absolutely. But notice Paul says, All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for training, for reproof, for correction for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, complete, for every good work. There is not just information, but it is to be fleshed out, and to look and to see the lessons of faith that God has put in this. There's a record of many people, places, and timelines, and without the book of Acts, we would not know a lot about the growth of the Gentile church or the life of the Apostle Paul. We have a we have Paul's epistles, the letters that he wrote, but we don't know a lot about his life, and Acts gives us so much information that, that lays the foundation. Actually, as you walk through the book of Acts, you'll see that many of the gospels were uh, excuse me, many of the epistles were written during the scope of the book of Acts. I didn't look it up, but at my just kind of guess, I would say three-quarters or even more of the New Testament would take place in the time of the book of Acts. We will mention those as we're coming along. Around Acts chapter 15 is when the book of Galatians is written. We'll continue to see those. But look at verse 1. The former account, what is he speaking of? The book of Luke. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Again, this is a continuation. But he was focused upon the person of Christ. And again, we always have to remember that, that the Gospels aren't just some big stories, but to see Christ, to see who he is and what he did. Many of you, just curious, at the top of... Uh, the page, what is the title that is given in your copy of the scriptures? The, of the, the Chronicle of the Holy Spirit? The oh, the Promise of, At the very top, the title of the book. The Acts of the Apostles. The of the apostles. Uh, again, we call it the Acts, but we're going to follow the life of the apostles. I was blessed this week. As I was reading R.C. Sproul's commentary, he said that this needs to be called the acts of the Holy Spirit. And I thought, how fitting that is. Because how does all of this take place? It does not happen because the apostles in and of themselves. It is because of the power of the Spirit that will be upon them. So... Let me point out maybe two themes that we need to see together. The first theme, the work of the Holy Spirit in the growth of the church. And then the side of that is the church's obedience to Christ's commission. That the apostles pick up that baton. They pass it on and it continues to today. Acts chapter 9 verse 31. So the church throughout all Judea. And Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. That right there is the summary of the whole book. It multiplied. Why? Because the church had gone out throughout Judea, Galilee, Samaria. It was being built up. Because of the work of the Holy Spirit. The structure of the book itself. It could be broken up under the the people. Kind of like the beginning of Genesis. You follow the patriarchs. Here we follow people. We find Peter. Then we find Paul. We also see Philip and Barnabas kind of play a role as well. Just like the book of Luke interestingly, kind of follows a similar trajectory. There is the, begins in Jerusalem and then begins to expand to Galilee, to Samaria, and then to heaven. But the book of Acts, as we'll see next week, really centers around Acts 1.8. A verse that we're probably very familiar with. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and to the uttermost. Again, that's kind of the, the threefold breakdown. Jerusalem is Acts 1 through chapter 8, verse 3. Judea and Samaria is Acts 8, 4 to 12. Excuse me, Acts 8, 4 to chapter 12. And then to the uttermost parts of the world is Acts 13 through 28. Again, these kind of concentric circles leaving Jerusalem as it grows. I don't want to spend too much time on this, but just just listen to this. In Acts chapter 6, verse 7, we see the impact of the gospel in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. In Acts nine thirty one, we see the impact of the gospel in Judea and Samaria. In Acts twelve twenty-four, we see the gospel in Syria. In Acts sixteen, five, it's in Asia Minor, which is kind of Turkey. We see Acts nineteen twenty, it's in Europe. And in Acts eight twenty eight, thirty one, we see it in Rome. What is a key word? Again there in Acts one eight. And you will be my what? Witnesses. You'll be my witnesses. One who bears testimony of the proof. The one at, there in Acts one eight is the word martyres, where we see the word martyr, one who bears witness to what they believe, the truth of Christ. But think about it. Acts is a picture of the Holy Spirit's work to take the message of Christ to the uttermost parts of the world. And in doing so, the Holy Spirit uses the agent of people to be witnesses, to proclaim the truth that was given, to be passed on, to know that they were eyewitnesses of Christ. They've received the message to then go and they begin to proclaim it. So why do we have the book? It was written to Theophilus. I was talking to somebody recently and they said, why do we have letters to a written, who are written to specific people as books of the Bible? Because we too are in the same position of Theophilus. We are born dead in our sin and we need to hear the gospel proclaimed, the work of Christ. And so the book of Acts One of its purposes is to be a witness to Theophilus. Again, as Luke wrote in Luke 1 4, he said to Theophilus, I write these things, that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. And here in Acts, we'll see the themes of the look, we'll be looking at the church and the new covenant. We'll be seeing the, the account of the spread of the gospel, not to just the Jews, but also to the Gentiles. And we'll see that gospel being proclaimed in spite of persecution. Now just to put a note here, again the title in many of our Bibles says, The Acts of the Apostles. These were not perfect men. Remember where we've kind of left them? What were some of the things that Luke said at Christ's crucifixion? They all scattered and they left him. Let us not think that they had it all figured out perfectly. And even as we begin the book of Acts and we see the the work of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost, they still don't have it figured out because God has to use persecution to send them to the uttermost parts of the earth. So just like following the apostles in the Gospel of Luke, Peter the apostle with the foot-shaped mouth, we see the continuing difficulties of these apostles. They are not perfect, and it's a reminder that we too only have hope because of the work of the Spirit, not because of our own ability. And yes, the book of Acts was written to Theophilus, but the book is written to us to cause us to see the glory of Christ as the message began to spread throughout all the world. The book of Acts is somewhat of a, of a bridge, and it's fitting, it's kind of placed not right after the book of Luke, But we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, kind of the four synoptic Gospels. You have Acts, and then you have Romans. Because the book of Acts is kind of even geographically placed as a bridge from the Gospels to the Epistles. Because it is a time of transition. You're probably going to hear me say that many, many times. Just like things I said in the book of Luke, and you're like, oh, I thought we were done with those. But the... the, The church is in a time of transition. The the time of the old covenant moving to new covenant. The the time of being under uh, a theocracy and moving to see the church's structure. And again, we can't base things always on how we see it in time of transformation. It's easy to say, hey, let's just look at the book of Acts and and mimic it and make our church exactly like Acts chapter 2. But yet, we would miss a lot to neglect to remember that it's in transition. These are important steps to see in the growth of the church. But to not just only look at the book of Acts. Again, if we said we build everything only on the book of Acts, we would be casting lots to decide things. Do we do that? No. There are certain things that will happen in certain times and certain phases of the expansion of the church that don't happen anymore. Because they were used for that season. As it's fleshed out, chapters 1 through 9, the witness goes to the Jews. And God uses the Pharisee of Pharisees, Paul to spread the gospel, not to his own kinsmen, but to the Gentiles in chapters uh, 13 to 28. So again, it's transitioning from being Jewish to being Gentile and Jew, from leaving Jerusalem to go out, from Jesus to the apostles and then being passed on to us. But the amazing thing in that transition is to see The message was the plan of God to fulfill his promise to Abraham. What was one of the promises of the covenant? That through him all the people of the world would be blessed. That it was not just a message that was for the Jewish people, but it was for everybody. For Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. We'll see the work of the Spirit in the life of the apostles. But we sit here kind of seeing the work that was begun in the book of Acts. And many of the things didn't even just begin in the book of Acts. But kind of came to a culmination in the plan of God. But what's the result that happens in the book of Acts? As the, the fallen apostles were used by the Spirit to proclaim in the message... Turn to Acts 17, verse 6. Acts 17, often we talk about Paul at Athens and Mars Hill, but just before that, Paul is preaching in verse 5 let's go back but the jews who were not persuaded becoming envious took some of the evil men from the marketplace and gathered and gathering a mob set all the city in an uproar and attacked the house of jason and sought to bring them out to the people but when they did not find them they dragged jason and some of the brethren to the rulers of the city crying out and here is the accusation that they bring what is the accusation these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Oh, that the Lord would be kind for the workers of this city to proclaim that of our church. They've turned the world upside down. But as we'll see, it is not in the power of these people to do it. It is through the work of the Holy Spirit they turned the world upside down the people's lives again we'll see such a great contrast of luke excuse me of peter in the book of luke to peter in the book of acts that god's program of working to accomplish his plan through the book of luke we'll see the work of the spirit bringing numerical progress Again, there was 120 in Acts one. In Acts 2:41, 3,000 were added. Acts 2:47, they were being added daily. Acts 4:4, 4, 4, 5,000 men were added, not even counting the women and children. Acts 5:14, multitudes of men and women were added. Acts 6:7, numbers of disciples continued to increase greatly. Acts 9.42, many believed. Acts 11.21, a large number believed. 14.1, a great multitude believed. Acts 17.4, a great number of Greeks and a number of leading women believed. Acts 17.12, many believed. Acts 19.26, almost all of Asia believed. And Acts 21.20, many thousands. Why? Because of the work of the Spirit. R.C. Sproul said, As we go through the narrative, let's not miss the power and presence of the third person of the Trinity, whom Jesus had promised so deeply and fervently in the upper room discourse found in John's gospel. But also, let us not forget that the book of Acts is the baton being handed to us. As the message is being proclaimed, we are called to be witnesses. Again, verse 1. In the first book of Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and to teach. And it has not ended. That's why Paul said of Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. The truth of who Christ was. And again, as we see the end of the book of Acts, this is how it ends. Then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concerned the Lord Jesus Christ without confidence, no one forbidding him. And so it continues to us today because there is that supposition that we carry the mantle. Look at Acts 1 again. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and to teach. And then he helps kind of give the the framework. He, He taught in the first book until the day which he was taken up. Didn't we just kind of see that last week as the book of Acts closed? And again, Acts... Excuse me, Luke 24 and Acts 1, there's some overlap. He was taken up after, um, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commands to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs being seen by them during 40 days and speaking things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Notice that phrase there. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God did not begin in the book of Acts. The kingdom of God began in God's sovereign plan all the way back in Genesis. And the kingdom of God was working and God is building his kingdom. And the book of Acts will record a unique kind of trajectory But let us not think that the kingdom begins in Acts. Jesus would then give the promise. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. In just ten days, that promise would be fulfilled on the day of Pentecost that we'll see in Acts 2. The, The work of the Holy Spirit that would bring about the power of the church to proclaim the message of salvation. Luke wrote Theophilus recording the ways that God had worked in the lives of the followers to be witnesses. And again, we're going to see some failures. We're going to see them doing things that you'll wonder, is this even the same person? But we must always look to see why. And it is not because their great ability. It's because of the work of the Holy Spirit. That message then is handed on to us. I just want to read. It's a little bit longer quote than often I read, but... Martin Lloyd-Jones wrote these words. That is the message, the message of Christ, that turned the world upside down. It is the only message, and I want to ask you a simple question. What does this message mean to you? What is your idea of Christianity? What do you think the business of the church is? Do you say, I don't want your sermons, I don't want your argumentation, I just want to feel like I've said my prayers and paid my respects, as it were, to God before I go out and do what I like? Is that it? Do you think Christianity is something that you can take up and use as a minimum in the hope it will somehow put you right? Or is it the most amazing and astounding thing that has ever happened or will ever happen to you? Is it the thing by which you live, the thing by which you long to know and to experience more and more? Do you realize that this Jesus came into the world to save you from hell, from the punishment of your sins and mine so, and mine that we so richly deserve? Do you realize that the essence of Christianity is not that it calls you to do something, but rather it tells you what Jesus came into the world to do for you? That is the reminder that we have of the book of Luke. That is the reminder that the men who would be used of God to bring about a great change. It's a great reminder how God would use every person in the local church to bring about the expansion of the church. Again, the theme verse or kind of the summary verse of Acts Acts 9.31, Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. My, my prayer is we continue, we dive into the book of Acts, that we will see the truth of who Christ was and what He had accomplished and how it was the key motivator and how with the Holy power of the Holy Spirit, the church preached the gospel and saw God do amazing things. Our family's been reading through the book of Ezekiel. And in Ezekiel, God gives Ezekiel a a vision. And as the vision is taking place, he takes him to Jerusalem, to the temple. And at the temple, the Spirit of the Lord leaves the temple. But what's interesting is from the outside, it all still looks the same. The temple still stood, all the gold and all the pillars and everything else, yet the Spirit was not there. But can that be said of our church today? Because we may look at the book of Acts and say, wow, look at what happened. And it was not because the Spirit was absent, it was because the Spirit was full in everyone's life. Does it mean that the the church would have easy times? No, look at Acts 9. Does it mean that there would be no problems? No, look at when Ananias and Sapphira are struck dead because of lying. Does it mean that God would be glorified? Absolutely. And so I pray that that God in his kindness would teach us much of himself. But there's going to be some times when God kind of hits us between the eyes and causes us to say, okay, yeah, I've had a wrong view. A wrong view of how the church is to function, how I'm to play a role in the church, what the, the role of the Spirit is in my life. But one thing that has never changed from the beginning of Acts to today is the message. For all that Jesus began both to do and to teach is still the message that we proclaim. And that we are called to be witnesses of that same truth. But may the Lord, by his grace, multiply us through the work of the Spirit... That the people here in Lake Geneva and other places could say the world is turned upside down. Christ will build his church and may we be found faithful to be part of that. I'm looking forward as we see the Holy Spirit work and may he work in our lives. Let's pray. Father, we, uh, with anticipation, just look to see how you will work in our lives through the book of Acts. Lord, we ask for wisdom and understanding. We pray, Lord, that that even through the familiarity of a lot of the things that we will study, that we will not be complacent. Lord, that you would, by your grace pour your Spirit upon us in a new and fresh way. Lord, that by the working of the Spirit through our lives, that that we would be equipped, that we would be at peace, and that we would proclaim the message of Christ to the uttermost parts of the world. Father, help us to walk in the fear of you. Help us to find in you the the comfort of the Spirit. And Lord, we pray by your grace that you would multiply us. Lord, not that our name would be made great. Not that we would just have more people to to fill uh, this building. And and by your kindness, the, the new building that has begun. But Lord, that we would be a people who are going. And I pray even now that through this study of Acts that that you would even call some to go. Lord, that we would be sensitive to your calling upon our lives. That we would not, not just seek to live comfortable lives. But out of a great love for you out of a great understanding of who Christ is and what he has done for us, that we would want to make it known to all the worlds, to every people. Until you come back, Lord, find us faithful. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.